sorry, one second. Hey, mom. Hey, I'm on the podcast right now. Can I call you back? Sure. Okay. I'll later. All right. Bye. Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us. Welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, talk and talk. All right, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime. Hold your ears, folks. Here we go. See what you can do now. Take your position. All right, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat them up. Enjoy. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Feeling It. Each week on this show, we like to share what pieces of pop culture we're really feeling. Whatever show, movie, song, or tech, we just can't get out of our heads. In addition to those picks, this week we'll be discussing George Miller's newest movie, 3,000 Years of Longing. But before we get started with all of that, let's introduce ourselves. And when we do, let's answer the question, other than Idris Elba, what celebrity <laughs> would you want to pop out of a bottle and tell you stories of their life and then grant you three wishes? I'm Lucas Wright from Chicago. And the answer is Idris Elba. Like, there is just no other <laughs> answer. <laughs> but if we're not allowed to choose Idris Elba, um, my choice is Jane Fonda. I want Jane Fonda to tell me stories and grant me all the wishes in the world, you know? Okay, you and I are thinking on such a similar path. <laughs> well, I'm Sandra Amstutz. I'm in Nashville. And I, I immediately was like, yeah, who has lived a long life, has a lot of juicy stories? I went with Julie Andrews. Ah, yes. Another great one. Yeah. Someone who I'm sure has loads to tell, but also that I think would be like really helpful in helping me make my wishes. Like she's oh, for like sure. one, the person I want to go to for that advice. Yeah. I mean, Mary Poppins is basically a genie in a bottle. <laughs> right. So, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think um, we're on the right track. Yeah. And, you know, if, if you're taking out the telling the life stories part, mm -hmm. someone who just like has a genie vibe, <laughs> I also was thinking Stanley Tucci. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Someone oh. who I think has like a mischievousness to him, a sense of humor, but still you like trust and care about him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love yeah. that choice. Um, well, we're definitely going to talk much more about genies later on in this episode. But before we start with that, I want to know, Lucas, what are you feeling this week? Well, <laughs> I went back and looked at the list of things that I've been feeling over the last couple of weeks. And I've I, mean, I got a real dad vibe going on right now. <laughs> sure? I was feeling the old man on FX. I was feeling... Um, the old man on FX might be the biggest dad pick you've ever brought to the podcast. It is definitely a huge dad pick for sure. Every, the the amount I'm not okay. This isn't to brag, but the amount of dads that have texted me after that episode <laughs> <laughs> to be I mean, like, I can't dad, really get down with everything you guys talk about, but the old man on FX. <laughs> my dad doesn't listen to our podcast, but he texted me after that episode yeah. and was like, "Hey, by the way, have you watched the old man?" On yeah. FX? <laughs> good stuff you know I've, I've got a certain i got a certain crowd that i'm catering to here yeah <laughs> um last week it was uh the newest movie in the predator franchise prey another for sure dad pick sure. um <laughs> and this week I'm, I'm i guess tripling down now um yeah i'm feeling the tv show alone which is a survival game show on the history channel <laughs> i mean anything on the history channel the history channel is just a boardroom full of dads it's really true it's really true <laughs> um but what i what i what this show's 
wild in, in in all reality. So basically, if you don't know what the, what alone is, the contestants are dropped off in different locations in the wilderness um, with a limited amount of equipment, but it includes filming gear. And so the person is supposed to stay out there. You know, it's whoever stays out there the longest ends up winning. But besides weekly medical checks, they're without human contact the entire time because they're filming themselves. And I think this show leads to some vulnerable introspection that you don't normally get from, I mean, most reality shows, especially like survival shows like this. I think Survivor, Naked and Afraid, these are shows that like immediately come to come to mind when talking about this. But I think unintentionally, this show gets into a little more depth into why people want to do this. Um, and so watching them deal with like true isolation, I think really gets at, I think a privileged aspect of a show like this, because there's a certain type of person who becomes survivalist, <laughs> and sure. those, those people I think have always interested in me, but season one of this show is exclusively white men and like women and people of color show up in limited amounts in subsequent seasons. But for me, it's interesting to watch people who have like prided themselves on having these skills and um, these abilities come to grips with the reality of why they've acquired them and kind of really talk themselves out of needing to participate in something like this. Um, A lot of the contestants don't end up quitting based on, you know, uh, danger or, you know, anything like that. A lot of it is just psychological of saying like, I miss my family. My family is what's more important to me (laughs) than being out in the wilderness forever alone. Um, and so, and just being able to talk through some of this stuff. And when you have a cameraman, there's always some kind of performative, performative nature to what you're saying. And even if you're just talking to yourself in a camera, I feel like that, that, you know, is part of it too. But the fact that you're filming yourself all day, every day, leads to a lot of therapy that I think these guys have never worked through in their entire Mm, lives um, coming out by themselves, which is very, very fun to see. I think this would have been a great show to watch during the pandemic, like at the very early days. Um, But I'm jumping in now, which is, (laughs) um, I think it's more doable. So this is a show that like, uh, I could never watch. Absolutely. (laughs) I, the idea of someone like being forced to be alone, one is just uh, that's terrifying to me. <laughs> and then two, uh, survivalist is a genre of person and entertainment that I have a strong aversion to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think that I've heard a lot of people that have watched this show that have really gotten into it. And because of the pandemic, we've all gone through obviously not to this extreme but these bouts of like forced loneliness and um you know being cut off and being isolated and um seeing having that like kind of catharsis of watching people go through an extreme version of that Mm -hmm. when we're kind of all going have have gone through um something you know somewhat similar that I, I do think that there's a lot that's like interesting about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree. I 100% agree that it's not a show for everybody, but <laughs> if you if you if you subscribe for the dad for the dad recommendation. Sure. <laughs> this is probably for you. I this makes me curious, Lucas. So like um do you like shows or like documentaries or whatever about like people who climb Everest or like those like Alaskan fishing boat shows where it's like 
brutal environmental like atmospheres and like men trying to overcome them not at all i think i think that's like those things really don't interest me i think really it is the alone part of it that that Mm -hmm. really gets me that i'm like oh i have to see what people because i i really enjoy being alone but i think i know what that means and i know my limits to that and i know and i value kind of other things over being alone yeah. Um, but I really enjoy it. And so I think a lot of the kinds of people who like to be alone and kind of idolize that, um, that being able to survive without relying on anybody else and all of that stuff always interests me. <laughs> but I have no interest in men being men and doing the hardest thing possible. That's sure. That's that's too much. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, the cross section that this has with like yeah. those shows, but then yeah, what makes it stand out? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, very cool. I'm I'm loving that you are just committing to your dad vibe. Um, I can't wait to find out what our next podcast recommendation <laughs> is going to be. For those who don't know, I have no children. I don't know right. what's wrong with me. <laughs> oh right, no, no, no. This is just uh, a whole personality that you're just in, in, yeah. Yeah, embodying. Um, well, thank you for that. One thing that. I am really feeling, and this is, we're going to go in a completely different direction here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have been watching, um, I lo- of course, I'm like, I always love lighthearted movies and TV shows. I feel like, not by choice, but just kind of by circumstance, I've been watching a lot of teen-centric um, TV shows and movies lately. Never have I ever, I finally got on that bandwagon and it's Mm. just as delightful as everyone says it is. Um, But I want to talk about a show, um, excuse me, a movie that has, I think, sort of a very similar vibe to Never Have I Ever, but isn't being talked about as much. Um, And that is a streaming movie on Paramount Plus called Honor Society. It is about a, um, like... Type A, top of her class, you know, senior in high school, who's super committed to being the best and getting into the best, like, college possible. And she realizes that um, her skeezy guidance counselor is only going to recommend one student um, to her, like, school of choice. And there's four, like, options. And so the whole movie is her basically trying to sabotage her three fellow classmates that are, at the, like, the top of their class to make sure that their grades suffer so that she is the one that gets to, like, ascend. Um, and in the one of those fellow classmates is played by Gaten Matarazzo from Stranger Things. He plays, like nerdy guy that is you know also super smart that she kind of starts to seduce as a way of distracting him and hopefully like making his grades worse it seems like a very kind of like classic cheesy teen rom-com premise right and that's kind of what I signed up for when I watched it (laughs) but what I was like really surprised was that this movie had a lot more of an edge and a bite than I think a lot of streaming teen content has these days. Um, I think there's a lot, a lot of teen centered content is like pretty tame um, and, and sweet. And this was a little bit edgier than I expected, which was, which made it much funnier and interesting. Um, For instance, the Skeezy guidance counselor is played by Christopher Mintz Ploss, which is also kind of wild to see someone who 
we know got his start yeah. playing a teenager in Superbad <laughs> and now is like Makes the you feel adult. Real old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. The adult guidance counselor that's kind of creepy. I think they like let him be creepy in a way that's like a lot of movies don't necessarily do. A lot of teen movies wouldn't actually go there. Mm-hmm. Um, they let the main character, she has like this kind of villainous plot. You know, she's this main character that we're supposed to be rooting for. And yet she's doing something kind of horrible, right? Like <laughs> ruining her, her classmates like futures. But I found it very surprising, very funny, very interesting. And the other thing that I really liked about this is that, like, even though it had all of that bite and edge, it had a very sweet undertone and ending that, like, was really unexpected. And the sweetness that felt, like, really charming and not sickly, in my opinion. Um, I also am really interested in the way that, like, teen media is addressing like queer characters and how like queer what what a what a queer teen's life is being depicted as in movies and tvs today versus like what of course like we had when we were younger or even you know Mm -hmm. what was presented before uh, our time um and this movie it has like it has this like surprise at the end that really like charmed me and blew me away um I just think it's really, it's much better than it needed to be. This kind of premise and being on Paramount Plus, I don't think you would have high expectations of it going in. And when you actually watch it, you're like, wow, that movie actually was much better than I expected. Um, And so I'm recommending that people who like things like Never Have I Ever give Honor Society a chance. Nice. I love... What is her name? Oh, yeah. Angori Rice? Yes. The lead actress is Angori Rice. She was the daughter in The Nice Guys with yes. um, uh, Ryan Gosling. Mm-hmm. And she plays Betty Brandt in the new Spider-Man movies. Yeah. She's a really great actress. I yeah. am, I'm excited to see kind of where she goes. Um, I have not seen this movie only because it's on Paramount Plus and I don't have Paramount Plus. Mm, yeah. Um, but it, it looks really good. Yeah. Also, it was really fun to see Gain Matarazzo in something outside of Stranger Things. Yeah, that's um, I. This is the first thing that I've seen him in outside. Like he, all the I feel like all the other ones have done something else, and it, he's just kind of stuck to this. Yeah, you know, I don't know much about his career, but I know he. I think he was like signed on to do like a prank show at some point mm. that sounded disappointing like, oh, mm-hmm. like oh i don't want that for you um but i also think he has like spent some time on broadway doing dear evan hansen so oh interesting um, he yeah so he's like has this like actually great singing <laughs> voice and he he's definitely like a star has tons of talent we know that from stranger things but it was fun to see him yeah in a new role nice okay well Let's move on. If you're ready, I'm ready to talk about 3,000 Years of Longing. Let's do it. So, one thing that's really interesting about this movie to me is that I feel like there is a significant lack 
of buzz and buildup for this movie. I had no idea it was even coming until I was like looking at my movie calendar, see what's coming out recently. And there's, it was like, this movie is coming out next week, a movie from George Miller starring Tilda Swinton and Idris Elba. How have I not heard of this movie? Was that your experience or were you, was this on your radar? It was on my radar. Um, I think this movie was probably under-marketed, but also it had quite a trailer. (laughs) Um, I don't know if you've seen it or not, but it has a banging trailer. It's awesome. Um, also, this is the follow-up from Mad Max Fury Road, uh, the, the director of Mad Max Fury Road. I don't know why people weren't talking about this more. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I it's wild to me that the studio behind it hasn't made it more visible. Right. Because it, it should be this giant epic with two big movie stars from the director of Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, it, it's kind of a mystery to me. But, I mean, the one thing I will say is that You can tell by the trailer, and obviously we'll talk about this more about, like, our opinions of the movies, that this is, like, unique. It's a unique story. This is not your classic blockbuster fare, I would say. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And and I think a a difficult-to-market story as well. Sure, (laughs) sure. Um, Other than Mad Max Fury Road and, I think, Babe, I think those are the only two George Miller movies I've seen. I'm trying to think of what else. Which is of Eastwick. Oh, yes, of course, which is a V-Stick, which I did love. Um, and I, I think I've loved all three of those. How, what is your relationship to him? Um, I have seen all the Mad Max movies. Um, okay. I have seen both Babe movies. I'm a big Pig in the City fan. Um, <laughs> I've definitely seen The Witches of Eastwick, probably at too young of an age. Um, so I'll need to revisit that. <laughs> um, I've never seen the Happy Feet movies. Those are not no, not I in my alley. So. <laughs> um. But I would say I'm a George Miller fan. I think George Miller is wildly diverse in his filmmaking, as we just talked through. Totally. And so you never know what you're going to get from a George Miller movie. So I think every time I'm like, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I completely agree. And even more than being a George Miller fan, I would say I'm a huge fan of fairy tales and maximalism and, like, the the beauty that he seems to bring to a lot of these stories. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, once I did was aware of this movie and I saw the trailer, I was immediately hooked. Like, oh, well, I have to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just came out this weekend. What are your opinions of 3,000 Years of Longing, your initial thoughts? So I'll start with just, like, showing up to this movie and sitting down. And I don't know if yours started this way, but, like, the whole... I feel like everybody's doing it now. It's like the the, the pre-roll video that's like, thank you so much for supporting this movie. Yeah. Thank you for coming to the like, theaters, I'm please. I'm so glad you're here <laughs> in person. Yeah. And even, like, just from the get-go, it's just like, I love George Miller. He's sitting there wearing his, like, aviator jacket. He's, like, 78 years old, yeah. um, making these ridiculous movies. And I'm like, this... This is exactly what I want from a theater experience. Something wild and ridiculous. And the movie starts, and from the get-go, it just reminded me how good of a visual filmmaker he is. Um, Just even the boring stuff at the beginning. Like, there's just a transition from, uh, like the three wheels of a plane landing transitions into the three wheels of, like, a baggage trolley moving to the Mm -hmm. airport. And just, like, something as simple as that, it just, like... 
It's probably because I've it's been a couple weeks since I've been to a theater <laughs> that I was just like, yeah. man, movies are good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, there, no, there's no shot wasted. Not at all. Not at all. Perfect editing, perfect shots. Um, and what I was really interested in was kind of this story because the story of um, this woman finding a bottle, talking to a gin, all of that feels like it could get a little too um, cultural appropriation, uh, cultural. Um, sure. Live, living in somebody mm. else's world um, and treating it not as a real world, but as a mm. um, a fun experience. Mm-hmm. And kind of what I realized is that's what this story is about. <laughs> that's what this movie is, is dealing yeah. with. Um, and I got to say, I really, really enjoyed it. I think all the way... Th- all the way through the second act, I was like, this might be at the top of my list at the end of the year. This mm-hmm. movie, I am it's right up my alley. I'm really vibing with it. And for me, the movie took a hard left turn in the third act. Right, right. <laughs> that I am not a fan of. But overall, like the longer I've sat with this movie, the more I've enjoyed it, um, the more I've thought about it. Mm-hmm. And I gotta say, it's a huge swing. I really, really liked it. Um except for that third act, which we'll talk more about. <laughs> so. Sure. Yeah. No, I, I'm right there with you. Um, when this movie, I went to this movie in the middle of the day and I was like, before I caught to the theater, I kind of had a headache. I was kind of sleepy and I was just like, I really hope I don't fall asleep in this like long movie, you know? Yeah. Um, and then the movie started and I was like, Oh, I'm definitely not falling asleep. There is yeah. so much. <laughs> Right off the bat, that's like visually sumptuous. So the the writing I think is so beautiful. The story is exciting. Um, there's so much to take in that is that I was so excited to take in. I I, I agree with you. The first two thirds of this movie, I was swept away. I was like, this is what I want all movies to feel like. Um, I I want them to feel epic and important and thoughtful and and, and visually exciting and, and beautiful to look at and so uh, everything I love about film yeah. Yeah. and it, it doesn't land the plane sadly like that is the, the frustrating thing about this movie is that you you have so much good buildup and then the ending doesn't really work um, in my opinion but there are parts of the ending that I do like and find interesting. Yeah. And I, there's just, it's just one of those things where it's like, oh, if certain things about the ending were just tweaked, I feel like this movie could work. Or if it ended earlier, this movie would be perfect, you know? Yeah. Um, it's so and, close. <laughs> yeah. And ultimately, I think the good that it brings in the first two acts, I, I can forgive the ending because it brings so much, like, pleasure and interesting ideas and interesting stories to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would recommend this to people, um, but I, I would try not to oversell it because I, you know, I, I am aware of like how that ending has left me pretty confused. I agree with that. I will also say, I think this movie kind of goes back and forth between the con- a conversation between Idris Elba and Tilda Swinton in a hotel room and yeah. Idris Elba telling the stories of his life. And so mm-hmm. it's a lot of back and forth between epic expanse and a hotel room. Mm-hmm. And 
you can only do something like that with some of the best actors in the world where you're so excited to come back to the hotel room and continue to hear these these conversations and i do think idris elba and tilda swinton are at the top of their game here they're killing it consistently throughout this movie i absolutely love it (laughs) a big time agree um and not only to like carry those scenes of like just the two of them in a hotel room just talking to each other Mm -hmm. but talking to each other about like the ideas of story like the idea of storytelling and especially like what tilda swinton has to do with like voiceover leading up to that moment um this kind of like philosophical writing about like humanity's existence and the role that storytelling plays in that who's existence mm-hmm. is like my favorite thing to get nerdy about and to listen to people talk about. So I was a sucker for that, but you also have to have, you have to lend an air of gravitas for us to like really buy into just listening to someone talk about that for an extended amount of time. Totally. I also think like coming back to what I said at the beginning, just about like this fear of it being, um, kind of this mm-hmm. existential look at other people's uh, worlds and kind of wishing to be part of that um, mm-hmm. and yet not really diving into the humanity of it. I think that's something that I really connected to throughout this is like the reason we do all of this is because we really love stories a lot. Mm-hmm. And so digging into why do we love stories and what are the what do they actually do for us? Mm-hmm. Um, what do different stories mean to different people? And then also how... Um, how can you relate to to other people's stories and even if they're not your own? Um, mm. I think it just does a really beautiful job of digging into um, what that means to different people and, and kind of how that affects them um, mm-hmm. in a way that I, I really didn't expect. And so I think I think that for me overall um, was well worth the ending that I didn't like <laughs> sure. in this movie. So I, I would recommend this movie for sure. Yeah. I also loved... What this movie, in addition to what it had to say about, like, humanity and storytelling, what it also had to say, I mean, it's in the title, about longing and about mm-hmm. living with the hope for things instead of just living with things. You know, like, yeah. li- living your life just hoping or longing for a thing and not, yeah, committing to, you know, just actually living. Um, that was something that... I really related to and I felt um, was beautifully depicted and and thoughtfully and um, like, uh, what's the word? Hmm. Like depicted with a lot of empathy and grace. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't think any, this movie doesn't really like, it's, it's not vicious in any way. Like it really, you can tell that this movie has like a lot of love for even the most minor of its characters. Mm -hmm. Um, Even the characters that like, are somewhat grossly depicted. You can tell like the movie itself isn't super critical or judgmental of it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really appreciate when movies have a love for their characters in that way. Yeah, I agree. Um, sadly, this movie is making no money at all. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, I mean, this is still opening weekend right now as we're talking, but uh, I feel like at the moment it's made less than $3 million total. So yeah, not great for no. a, a movie with a budget of $60 million, um, which is sad. Yeah. Um, I do want to know, like, we'll talk in spoilers about, like, what parts of the ending or the third act didn't work for us. But was there anything else that, before we talk about spoilers, that 
didn't work for you? Like, I wish this movie had a little bit more of this or a little less of that. I think, no. I think up until the third act, I was 100% on board with everything that this movie did. Okay. Which is wild. <laughs> so, um, One thing I will say is that... This complaint is related to the third act, but it's also a little related to the rest of the movie is um, I heard someone on Letterboxd describe this movie as like having a real horny vibe. Um, and I think this movie could have been much hornier, in my opinion. Um, there are parts where like the sensuality of the film really worked, um, but there were parts where I wish that it could have gone a little bit harder and... I think that that where it held back is was to its detriment ultimately. Um, Interesting. Okay. We can elaborate I, about that. Yeah, I want to talk more about that in spoilers for sure. Okay. Well, I'm ready to talk about spoilers. Um, no, let's do it. I would say please go see this movie. Yeah. Or George Miller will never make another movie. No, I'm just kidding. He's working on a Furiosa <laughs> movie right now, which everybody oh. will go see. But perfect. <laughs> this is cinema, people. <laughs> yes, it really is. I. I am already like I have a list in my head of the people that I know that will really appreciate this. Yeah. Um. So, uh, be one of those people and go yeah. see. <laughs> be the kind of person we would recommend this movie to. So. Right. <laughs> um, okay. Well, let's start spoilers. All right. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. No. Crack and gas. Spoilers. Remember. You wanted this. So I'll just jump in and kind of elaborate on my my horny complaint. Yes. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of reasons why I think the third act doesn't work. But the biggest one for me is that, like, it, it pivots into sort of a love story between the two main characters, Althea and, the, and Jen. Mm -hmm. And I didn't feel like they had either – they'd built any kind of romantic or sensual, sexual chemistry between the two of them. To get to that point or after that point, like, when they're living together, you know? Yeah. Um, I didn't believe in that romance at all. And I just wish that, like, they would have, like, if, if you're going to make these two people, if you're going to turn this story into an epic love story between the two main characters, like, we got to boost the sexuality up a ton, in my opinion. Um the the scenes of them like living together in London, they're basically like cuddling on a couch. Like it was so tame, so like <laughs> so it was so um modest. It was like for for what we had seen previously, it felt like there was no passion or devotion. It felt like two old friends who just love each other's company. And so I wish they would have either committed to that energy, you know. And let them be two friends that love to talk to each other or gone in the other direction and like made it way sexier. I agree with you that it has to pick one or the other um, because it didn't work. I the way that I interpreted it is the former that she has asked him to love her and that is true like real love is not something that you can ask of someone it is right. something that is freely given which is something she says and so yeah. my interpretation of that all throughout that scene is that he doesn't love her is that they are not in love at yeah. all um and this is just him trying to fulfill her wish um 
it doesn't really feel like it leans into that at all though by the like by the way that it, that it actually ends no so it doesn't really make sense but that's kind of where i thought it was going was you get to see what real love is in his previous you know lives um right to an extent and then you get to see what her wish for love is which is obviously not that and so holding those two as as kind of the 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 comparison there um but then the fact that like he comes back like like this isn't the world for him he she has to let him go which is the act of love is is kind of allowing that to happen um but then for him to come back every year to me feels like and it, it just felt more like a friendship situation like um and I wish I wish that had been cleaner and a little bit tighter in the mm. if, if if that's the case, because right. I do feel like you could also interpret it the other way of this is love. This is true love. This is what it looks like. And that's not very clear either. So I'm I'm with you on that. You have to go one way or the other. And I don't feel like there was a good commitment there. Right. And if the if the lesson is you can't wish for someone to fall in love with you like they have to do that of their own free will. Right. Then. Just him being, it seemed like, okay, my take of that was, like, he was eroding away because of all the electromagnetic, like, yeah. energy in the yeah. modern world, right? So, like, it wasn't like he was eroding away because he was having to perform love for someone. Like, it was, no, no. <laughs> it was a scientific reason. Yeah. <laughs> and not like, oh, this wish caused harm to their relationship or like to his spiritual being or like, I don't know. It it was confusing. Yeah. Um, and the buildup was so fantastical, so like epic. Right. Mm-hmm. And that ending felt like this pittering out. Um, and it w- I do think that that could have been, there were moments in that ending, like, when she talked about like how he would spend his days, um, yeah, when he was like <laughs> visiting all like the different parts of the world, I was really into that. If they had like brought a little bit more of that energy into the ending, yeah, I think for me, like especially two people finding love at in the later parts of their lives. I mean, mm-hmm. for him, three thousand years; for her, like in her sixties. <laughs> yeah. Um, to me, there's a, lo- a lo- there's an interesting thing that you can do there of like li- love could look different at this yeah. point in, in in my life. Um, but again, there is no, I think, commitment to what you're trying to say there at the end, which made right. it difficult. But I think there's lots of different interpretations and different ways that you could make this really, really interesting. Um, that just kind of went nowhere. <laughs> so yeah. I think for me, the like even up until he returns at the very end, I was on board with it. I was like, this mm-hmm. third act is messy, right? But she lets him go and realizes that she she realizes true contentment in her life and realizes kind of like what she needs and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And then expecting, <laughs> it feels like now now he's healthy, so he can come and see her every you know every while or whatever um just felt weird and i could have been on board with that too if there had been some sort of like i guess more vocal acknowledgement of like what their relationship actually was like Mm -hmm. and he comes to see me out of his own choice and he tells me more stories or he like you know like I don't know. The the ending lets you, again, it's so ambiguous that it makes you think like, wait, are they romantically in love? Um, I mean, maybe that's the choice. Maybe that it's like you read what you want into that relationship. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. It, it was strange. But I do want to say that, like, I loved the, the four stories that we got leading up to that. Um, yeah. And... They were so, again, visually, it was so exciting. The, the clothes, the giant cast set pieces. Um, one shot that's like really burned into my mind is that one, I don't know if he was a sultan or like a king of some sort, bringing up his like mistress by that like big piece of fabric where she like mm-hmm. put her arms in the air. Yeah. And then she was like raised up to him. What a cool, like, uh, I'll be thinking of that for so long whenever I think of this movie, that specific I- image. I mean, just the efficient world building of those yeah. those different vignettes that you got, just a short period of time, like, starting to understand those worlds and the magical realism involved mm-hmm. in those worlds. Like, just beautiful, beautiful storytelling. <laughs> yeah. So good. Right. Um I also, someone pointed out, like, this is the second movie this year that has two people just talking in a hotel room um, that's, like, uh, critically acclaimed. Um, This and Good Luck to You, Leo Grand. Yeah. And those scenes probably were my favorite parts of the whole movie. Yeah. Um, The Tilda Swinton's character talking about the dangers of wishing, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and... her being put in this precarious situation and how do you move forward? And it really like made me think as an audience member, like I think anytime you have a story about someone granting th- getting three magical wishes, the natural thing is to think of like, well, what would my wishes be? Right. Yeah. But this story really makes you think like, damn, oh, what is the safest thing for me to wish yeah. for? Like what, should I wish for not only for myself, but to like make sure that the world is a better place and that I don't have a tragic ending. And, um, I, I, I couldn't stop thinking about it through the whole movie. And I loved every question she would ask or theory she would posit. I mean, I feel like this is something we talk about a lot, but like really smart characters, like who just Mm -hmm. are sometimes even ahead of you in thinking through some of this stuff and you're like oh yeah yeah that's the right call that's the right call absolutely like following her train of thought on asking all these questions i was just like yes i want to hear more of this i want to hear i want to dig into all of these little you know intricacies of of asking these for asking for these wishes and stuff like that and i do feel like his stories fit perfectly into this it didn't feel like shoe we're going to shoehorn in these little conversations in between Mm -hmm. his stories to kind of make it fleshed out as a movie like it all flowed really really well until the third (laughs) yeah i also like that his stories were about people you know i think there's a version right of these wishing stories where someone wishes for something but the genie gives them kind of tricks them and gives Mm -hmm. them a wish that isn't exactly what they meant or like ultimately is fatal to them. And that that was not the case in these stories that these stories had tragic endings due to their own lives and decisions and not due to like a a trick that was played. Exactly. Yeah. Um, And how even, even when the person who's granting you wishes has your best interests at heart, (laughs) we can still like be our own worst enemies. Yeah. Which is interesting because I do feel like it had to it had to do a little storytelling around Aladdin here, just because I do feel like that's sure. like culturally, 
that is our understanding of mm-hmm. genie in the bottle. And right. so the way that it kind of <laughs> handled talking about the three wishes rule and kind of getting into the details there, I thought I thought it handled it well without it being like super, you know, uh, too on the nose or too explanatory about sure. it. So, <laughs> and I love that, like, yeah, that first story is starts off as sort of a, a gender swapped Aladdin, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then. But doesn't isn't beholden to that at all. It's just right. kind of like the initial inspiration. Um, what are, I'm trying to remember what were his three rules? Or like, you can't wish for immortality. You can't wish to end all of human suffering. And I feel like there was a third one. Oh, no, and endless wishes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, because in in the Disney Aladdin. I think one of them is you can't make someone fall in love with you. You can't make fall, someone fall in love with you, and you can't uh, kill, kill anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which I thought was really. I thought they were going to address the you can't make someone fall in love with you, and they sure did to an extent. I think. Right. <laughs> yeah, but I, it had me thinking. Of course, like what would I wish for? And yeah. uh, ho- what I'm hoping would help is if my first wish was for the wisdom to make the right choices for the next two wishes. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's the answer. Like you have yeah. to ask for the wisdom, which right. <laughs> is great. And I also think that that's hilarious. Cause I think that's like, it's common knowledge that you will guess you will use your wishes incorrectly, which is addressed right. in this movie. But I also think the idea of wisdom being your wish and the story of King Solomon, that's his wish is mm. I will ask for the wisdom. Um, <laughs> Uh, and then him being the the one who traps the gin in the bottle in this yeah. in this movie, I think, is so fascinating. Yeah. Also, like, um, I don't remember the character's name, but like the scientist woman that um, she like sort of wishes for wisdom, and it it, it drives her mm-hmm. mad almost. You know, like yeah. she yeah she asks for all human knowledge. Yeah, knowledge I guess yes. is different than wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite scene in the whole movie, I think, is the scene when he first bursts out of the bottle and they're kind of in- meeting each other, speaking in this, in another language. The Einstein of it all was yeah. very cool. Yeah. Like that scene, if you took that scene alone out of this movie, it would be a beautiful like standalone short film almost. Mm-hmm. That was the scene that like I was that made me that made me know I was going to be completely won over by this movie. Yeah. Again, I feel like it comes back to the like just the most efficient world building of mm-hmm. him um, kind of accommodating himself in the world that he now, you know is in um Mm -hmm. by absorbing the knowledge that that is around him he get you know the computer the you know the tv all of that stuff and he finally learns english and he finally shrinks down to a size that you know that fits and Mm -hmm. all of those things kind of tightly tells you so much about (laughs) who he is and kind of what 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 his goal is here um it's fantastic yeah yeah i also love that he was a character that like when she's like, you know, kind of implying that he's going to trick her. He's like, mm-hmm. I'm not a trickster. He's like, I'm actually very foolish. Like, yeah. I've made yeah. a lot of mistakes. I keep yeah. getting trapped in this bottle. I keep falling in love. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I really do love that. Like, he is, he's foolish and all powerful. Like, it's one of yeah. those ve- really great things. And yet he knows it. And it's, I, right. yeah. 
it's a great character to have in a, in a, in a story like this. And I also yeah. think like him, because you're learning about him the entire time, you're constantly just empathizing and relating to that mm-hmm. <laughs> the entire time as well. So, right. He's oh. also like not evil or vicious, but he de- also isn't like a, a moral authority. Right. Like, right. Yeah. Which is also makes him so interesting when, when he's, when she said like, what if that one guy had found you and he wanted to like use all his wishes for evil and violence? And he'd be like, mm, wouldn't care. Wouldn't have yeah. cared. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It gets me out. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think as I was watching this, I realized like we haven't seen a lot of stories from this period of time, like the right. Ottoman empire, you know, Turkish merchants, queen of Sheba, like the stuff mm-hmm. that we get in this movie. I'm just like, there's so little media about this and it looks beautiful in this movie and i want more i really do (laughs) yeah also like there is violence in this film Mm -hmm. but this is not a violent film this is not a film that like is glamorizing or like you know is all about like how much violence can we pack into one movie Mm -hmm. and it had me thinking about like what was the last time i saw or heard of an actual epic that wasn't about wars and violence and you know and it was so refreshing to have this like grand epic tale that where that wasn't the main focus yeah i just feel like it's so unique like this movie is Mm -hmm. truly unique definitely and captivating the entire way through um and just really doesn't stick the landing but it's so close in a way that like this could be one of the great movies. Right. I know. Ugh, it's very frustrating in that aspect. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if I watched it again, if the ending, if I would feel differently about the ending, you know? I mean, I'm absolutely going to watch this again. Like, yeah. I, I'm very curious about that as well. I feel like, again, because it's so close, like, I do feel like the ending could hit very differently the second time through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I, I do want to end back where we started with my horny comment because mm-hmm. <laughs> here's the thing <laughs> and where we started yeah, right um i i'm still sticking to my guns that there should have been more horniness between more sensuality between tilda and idris elba um but also in those beginning stories i don't think it necessarily needed it like i think all those are work beautifully as stories but I, I do think it would have made the movie even better if there was like a little bit more sex in those stories, because other than like, there's like the queen of Sheba. I mean, I guess there, there's sex scenes in this movie, but most of the scene, sex scenes in this movie are not sexy. Like they're not, you don't want to be a part of them. You know what I mean? Like they're, <laughs> they're uncomfortable. They're like a little odd. And this movie I think was lacking that. Like I want to get swept away and like, either the passion or the love between two people. Mm. There isn't a lot of love in this movie. I mean, yeah, there's limited amounts of love, which I, I, I do think would have been, uh, it would have been interesting to show that contrast of, because I think a lot of this movie is like a little bit of the horrors of this, you know, the, the lives around him. (laughs) And so nobody is truly happy. I think in a lot of his situations, but you do find these pockets of him being in love with the Queen of Sheba, him being in love with, uh, what's her name? The, the genius. Other, yeah, yeah, yeah the, the genius. Um, and like, I, 
getting more passion around those two, I think, would have been great. Right. I think specifically the genius one, I think the moment, it is a heartbreaking, like, story, right? Mm -hmm. That, That ending, how as he's getting trapped in the bottle, she makes that wish, and, like, that's his ultimate heartbreak, and... He has that panic attack, you know, when, when Tilda Swinton kind of brings up the possibility of that. Yeah. And I think that that would have it, – it worked. But it would have paid off even more if we had had a few more scenes of them instead of him just saying, I fell in love with her, we fell in love. Like if we could have seen a little bit more of that actual yeah. like love and passion and desire. Yeah. I agree with you there. I mean, that's going to be my ever um, never ending request for all films is like, let's boost that up (laughs) a little bit more. More passion, more More, desire, more more longing. (laughs) 3,000 years of longing didn't show quite show through. Give me me another thousand years. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But ultimately, I think we both agree this film is. So unique is the best word to describe it, but it's Mm -hmm. also I say that in the most positive way possible. Yeah. Yeah. And with I feel like the summer has given us a ton of like cookie cutter movies. Totally. Um and not even in a bad way. Like even some of the good movies feel pretty safe and standard. Right. Um and this movie is so out there and taking one of the biggest swings I've seen in a long time. This movie there was never a single point in the movie where I could predict what was going to happen next right. or like right. know where yeah. the story was yeah. headed. Yeah. It is a ride for sure. <laughs> so Right. Yeah, I guess that's yeah full recommendation for me, and I cannot wait to see it again to figure yeah. out how I actually feel about the ending. <laughs> me too, me too. All right, well, Lucas, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me everywhere at Lucas and Stuff. And you can find me on all social media platforms at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye, now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? Yep. Moving along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 